my dad wanted to check out the putter that I had for golf. And um, he was yeah. saying, yeah, I was taking lessons with um, the one that I'm using, the one that I've been using. And my instructor said, maybe it looks a little little too long. Uh, might need to shorten that just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you should probably get used to you know using something a little bit shorter. So he uh, looked at the one I was using and... Um, he was like, yeah, it's, you know, this uh, feels a little bit better. You mind if uh, I play with yours for a little bit and you can play with mine for a little bit? I was like, sure. Yep, sounds a little weird, but okay. <laughs> you want to, I know yours is a little longer than the one I'm used to, but uh, can I play with that? It's like, yeah, sure. Would it be weird if we made eye contact the whole time? Oh, Zach, you're so Ever, good with your okay. putter. All right, okay. Nope, now nah, you're making it weird. <laughs> Thank you for that for going completely off the rails with it i thought you meant i was just um, telling a funny story i forgot that it was your dad i thought you were talking about um the instructor, the instructor. <laughs> no this is while him like, and i were oh the instructor said this to him. while him and i were golfing today gotcha he sent this to me don't include this <laughs> it's gonna be the intro please don't <laughs> i'm so sorry no but i was like yeah it sounds weird but sure <laughs> Here you go. You want to try it out? It's a weird way to ask, but okay. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was. No, but I like I like the putter that I got. It's like sixty bucks. The putter. Yeah, the putter. It's from uh, uh, Played Against Sports. Not a sponsor What's in St. Charles. I don't. Uh... Oh. oh God! This is why you don't do sports inside, kids. It is an Odyssey. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Everything, break everything, everything. White hot. Odyssey white hot. White hot. XG number 5CS. Is that like the serial number or is that like... I don't know anything about golf. (laughs) Just plays the sport. Welcome to the, what is it, 53rd? Yeah. You got it. I don't know why I keep forgetting. Welcome to the 53rd episode of Beer and Fearman's Page. My name is Zach. Oh, lovely. Hmm. Good times. Good times. Uh, this week's episode is on. I don't know what we death at a, deaths at concerts. Concert deaths. Concert death. That's what it's we're going words. with. We're going with concert deaths. Two words instead of three. We're excluding the at. Yep. Just uh, take wh- out the location. Why say more word when few word do trick? <laughs> <laughs> Why make harder when make easy? <laughs> when make easy. <laughs> so this week's episode is on. Concert deaths. Concert deaths. Boy, oh boy, there's a lot of them. Deaths that occurred at concerts. Cool topic. Mm. Interesting. Why are all mine so out of hat? Yeah, yours are just... All over the place. Yeah, but I dig it. I like the the balance here. Tell me about your week. Uh, it was Labor Day. I worked. Um, I golfed today. That was fun. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. I feel like I was going to say something. Oh, I wanted to mention. Uh, are we gonna Are we gonna talk about the thing at uh, Naperville? I thought we were gonna talk about it in the last episode. We did talk about it in the last episode. Maybe let's uh, talk about it in the beginning of this episode. Sure. 
Um, because, you know, no one listens to the end on these things. So. I always do. I love the end. <laughs> Go the on. End, the end is my favorite part. Continue. Uh, we're doing a live podcast show. Woo, looking at the camera. Live podcast show. Uh, and we're talking about, uh, should, we tell them the to- should we tell them the topic? Or should we save that? All right, we're doing an, undis- <laughs> an undisclosed topic uh, at our live show. It's going to be October 29th, which is the February before Halloween at Center Stage Theater. The February before Halloween? Which is the Friday before Halloween. Uh, what? <laughs> we're in months. Yeah, we're just going to be we're way in advance. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do it in February. We're talking about it now. Friday before Halloween, mm-hmm. um, October 29th. So we're going to do our show and then afterwards show a movie and be so cool. I think tickets are five bucks. There's going to be food there. There's a whole cafe there. You're going to get to drink the beer with us. That's I think that's my favorite part is the fact that we're going to have everyone who's in, uh, listening in the audience. They're going to have the same beer and we're all going to get to jo- enjoy it together. Hopefully enjoy it together. Uh, and then maybe some live music too. So we're excited. We're very, we're pumped. I'm a little anxious, but... Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Just keep an eye out on our Facebooks and our um, Twitters and our websites uh, for the information. We'll have a flyer out and things like that. We'll keep you in the loop. Any questions, beerandfearcast at gmail.com. You know where to, you know where to reach us at. Double finger guns. But I wanted to talk about that because I, I don't think I have anything else that I... I didn't write anything down. Didn't talk about anything. I went golfing. That was fun. That's all I got. Exciting. Thank you. Your turn. I like being asked. <laughs> Um, let me think. Okay, Labor Day weekend, I went and saw my family. I told you about that because there's, there's a lot more family than I oh, was yeah. planning for. It was like 30 people. It was, it, was <laughs> <laughs> it was more people than I was expecting. Um, so I saw my family. I've been marathoning American Horror Story. I just finished nice. with uh, with my buddy. What are you going to watch next? Uh, we're in, we've started New Girl. Oh, okay. But I think we're going to switch off of that because we were talking about marathoning the Avengers franchise. Oh. In chronological yeah, order. Yeah, I've always wanted to do that. Because she has Disney Plus, so. Yep, me I too. I was like, I think I'll do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's really it. I saw my family. I, I uh, Nine days now. No, uh, no nicotine. Oh, yeah. How's that going, buddy? Good. And then the only drinks that I've had were uh, our last episode last week. So, and it was the beer that uh, was okay. And then... Um, the seltzer which was pretty good and i'm excited that i have uh, another one left over i'll drink it in october but it's good i got a heineken zero it was the first time i ever tried a um i think the first time i ever had it, like an ordered a non-alcoholic beer it tastes just like heineken huh. it's it was delicious i loved it um but yeah it's, it's going okay still get cravings but um I'm, I'm gonna make it to october it's gonna be great I believe in you. I told my dad. He's like, how can you give up drinking? You have a drinking podcast. <laughs> I like, yes, except for that. <clears throat> so I drink once a week. Mm-hmm. So are you only going to drink one beer today? Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, well, maybe. If it's a really good beer, I'll have a second. But uh, it's, I only have two. It's for, Oh, okay. I'm going to only have one beer then. <laughs> yep. You're going to have the rest of mine if I don't like it. <laughs> yes, there you there go. There we go. Okay. Well, tell us about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, actually, it's really funny. Allison tried this beer. And she, She's had it before? No, I let her try one of mine. She oh, has. Oh, okay. Now, have you tried it before? No. Nope. Okay, good. I never. No. No. I never. How dare. What even is this question? <laughs> if I saw a young kid. 
Can I have some of your blood? <laughs> I love that fucking thing. Uh, our beer comes from Pollyanna. Pollyanna? Oh, is this um, Daisy Cutter? No. Okay. I like Daisy Cutter. Just making an assumption. Have we done Pollyanna on here? I don't think so. I don't either. No. I mean, I know the brewery, but I don't think we've, we've done them. So a little background on Pollyanna. 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 So right now, there's a little tiny excerpt at the bottom from that statement that says, Thank you, Ryan, Brian, Ed, Don, um, and Don. Our beer is and always will be clean and consistent with a strong focus on balance. We feel our four flagship offerings best represent Pollyanna and take pride in their year-round availability. Um, we're constantly experimenting with local fruits, me too, and spices, mm-hmm. seasonal lagers, barrel aging, wild yeast, and bacteria in our intimate and truly unique tap rooms. We offer tasting flights, draft floors, plor- <laughs> uh, and to-go 64-ounce growlers, 32-ounce howlers, and 32-ounce growler cans. <laughs> Our Lamont location offers a scenic look at the brewery. Oh, yeah, Lamont. Um, There's Brian Powell. Powell, He's a head brewer, distiller, and co-founder. Ryan Widener, Weidner, president, CEO, Mm co-founder. Ed Molner, head distiller, VP of operations, and co-founder. And then there's a few other tapper managers. There's a St. Charles location. What? Oh, yeah, there is. Yep. Oh my gosh! I'm just putting two and two together now. Pollyanna, because I know Pollyanna. I've heard of Pollyanna before. I don't know why, because I've seen Pollyanna before, like on maps and stuff. Here, it's on the east side of St. Charles, right on the river. I know where they're at, and I always thought, oh, I've always, I would always like to visit them. And it's like I always thought of that as like a brewery that I've never heard of before. And I was like, no, Pollyanna Brewing. Like they're they've been around for a while. They make Daisy Cutter, which I've had several times. It's delicious. Daisy um, Cutter is delicious. And, uh, yeah, I knew they were in Lamont or around the Lamont area, but, wow, I don't know why that's... I had that disconnect in my head. Yeah, that's right. Pollyanna's right over there. The beer is called Four Chord Wonder, and then parentheses Amarillo. It's an American Pale Ale, ABV 5.5%, and they actually have the IBU and ESRM, which I never get a chance to do, because okay. looking into that's effort. IBU is 40 and SRM is 5 the description, oh. it only takes four chords to make a song remarkable, and it only takes four ingredients to make a beer delicious. Well, this American pale ale is brewed with Vienna malt, Amarillo hops, American yeast, and our signature RO water. Vienna malt is a perfect uh, backdrop to display the intricacies of a single hop, and Amarillo shines in this single hopped APA. Mm-hmm. It does not have a score on Beer Advocate. Um, it has a rating. Yeah. <laughs> One... <laughs> To be specific. Oh, it has one rating. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it also says that it's retired. Oh. Apparently they're not making it anymore. Apparently not. It says no longer brewed. Interesting. Uh, it's categorized as an APA on Beer Advocate. And like I said, 5.5%. It's got an average score from that one review. I don't know how they would average out one review. I had a one review. To 3.88. All right. Okay. So. Not bad. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a pretty... Um, Clean, you know, simple pale ale. Kind of like uh, St. Arant, the first one we did, Chronique's. Mm. Single hop, you know, and that was delicious. I was at, also at Hazy. St. Arant's. St. Arant? Everything is good from St. Arant. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's not fair. Gosh. Okay, I'm excited. I get it. I don't know why it says Hydra. 
But I originally grabbed the can with the intent of doing this episode on hydras. On hydras. <laughs> <laughs> why did? Why was it not on hydras? Uh, because the website never listed hydra. Four chord wonder hydra. So what's yeah? What's hydra? I have no clue. <laughs> okay. All right. The website doesn't say anything about it. It's not even listed on like the title. Yeah, just hold it upside down. Can oh, it says Candon six two twenty one. So pretty recent. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they're not making any more interesting. All Weird. right. I dig it. It's got a guitar on it. Mm, that oh god. <laughs> I miss I missed the smell, because our last our last beer was a Scotch ale. The one before that was what? Well, we took a break from pale ales for a little bit. We yeah. were like, we're gonna try and get out of this hole. Did I close it? It's a Scotch ale, and then a Hefeweizen, and then a tart shake IPA, milkshake IPA, and then a cream ale, a brown ale. So it's been a while since we've had like a pale ale. Back to our roots. I get it's a good smell. I can also smell. I think your perfume. <laughs> Do you put perfume on? No. Or like lotion that smells? Not often. Do you have some on now? No. <laughs> is this a, just the beer I'm this selling? just the beer. <laughs> what do you think? I took a bottle of my perfume and was just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It smells pleasant. It's like citrusy and sweet. I don't know. Love that smell. I make the sacrifice for the sounds. <laughs> I appreciate it. All I can smell is like the glass. The glass. In the can, yeah. It just smells like a glass that's been hand washed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what it smells like. She frothy. Look at that. Yeah, a lot of foam on this. Uh, it sticks around. It's thick. It's thick. The st- <laughs> stumps are great. Uh, it's hazy, you know, can't really see through it. It's got that orange juice yeah, look. Yeah, it's got a nice orange juice Looking look. Looking like a mimosa. A little darker than a five, though, in my opinion. In my opinion. Yeah, just <laughs> orange. Okay, that's a lot of foam. <laughs> she found me. I Foam, like lactose, like sugary smells. Uh, hops. The hops are definitely come through. Those hops. I smell some hops. Come through on the nose. I think it reminds me how um reminds me a lot about um chroniques this is some intense foam <laughs> yeah i mean you did say that you you know you sacrifice it for the sound oh so aggressive good good clink okay when i first tried it i thought it tastes like dish soap that might just be the glass <laughs> <laughs> um it doesn't really have anything remarkable about it We've discussed this before. It's like we've just had so many IPAs and pale ales and like hazy, you know, hoppy beers where they just, it's hard to be impressed now. I'm not so much me wanting to be impressed, but more like it doesn't have any flavor that stands out to me. It's very smooth. It's not really that carbonated. It's very easy to to drink. Like, but I just, in tasting it, I'm not really detecting a whole lot. I mean, it's not like beer connoisseur and i yeah we're definitely not those no but i just i feel like it's lacking something that like 
would hook me. Uh, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. It's a thicker mouthfeel. It tingles on the tongue a little bit. Um, like I said, the stump sticker on the glass, so mm-hmm. it's thicky, thicker. Thicky. Thicky. It's thicker, foamy. Um, definitely fruit in there. Um, I think all of the fruit flavors are, are from the hops, mm-hmm. or that single hop varietal, um, which I can't remember what it was, though. Um, Centennial something? Amarillo. Amarillo hops. And that's all I taste is just the hop, the bitterness of the hop, mm-hmm. the grassiness of it, yeah, and the fruit that uh, kind of comes with it as well. June, July, August. I mean, it's not that old. It's been in a can for f- like four months, which I think it should be fine if it stayed refrigerated. Um, but there's something off tasting about it. Uh, it's like the finish is not as clean as I hope. And I hope it's not the glass issue. <laughs> I hope... Because, you know, I I, don't know. I do my due diligence uh, washing these glasses. I rinse them pretty thoroughly. I don't know. Um, but... You're not a dishwasher. I don't put these in the dishwasher. I hand, hand wash them. But... I know. Um, I hope it's not... that. That's what is. But it's just a strange bitter taste at the, yes, at the end of I'm it that, that just tastes a little off. I don't know if it's because the beer is four months old. I don't know if it's because the glasses. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the beer. Um, but I'm not a big fan of that. Otherwise, I think it's decent. But I know what you're saying. Like, there's nothing real special about it. Nothing that grabs me. Decent beer, though. It's good. I get the grass. I'm not really getting much yeah. of the fruit. Burp's okay. I had Taco Bell earlier, so I'm getting that in oh. tacos. <laughs> Well, the burp's kind of like a, you know, like a tacos del grande, you know, sort of flavor to it. So I'm not going to have a whole lot to cover on uh, Concert Deaths. We were discussing this topic earlier, um, and we are trying to figure out, like, what would a, a background section be like? So I'm pretty much just going to cover the types, different types of uh, things that could happen at a concert. I did a little bit of research I was pretty happy with what I found, but it is a niche uh, topic, and it's kind of hard to find stuff about it. But I went to this website. It's called workingwithcrowds.com, and I actually it listed a bunch of different stories, uh, recalled a bunch of different deaths that occurred at concerts or large gatherings, mm-hmm. and I printed out this whole website. It was like 18 pages, and I went through each one, and I tallied up the number of injuries and the number of deaths that were reported. So since 1876, this uh, one article on this website reported 10,785 reported deaths and 8,036 reported injuries. Now, these are uh, only the reported injuries and deaths listed in the article. And um, so there could be way more. Mm -hmm. However, some of these aren't necessarily all at concerts. This just talked about crowds in general. Mm. So this included any large gathering or event, like I just said. So it could be like a congregation of people at a church or a mass, um, you know, like a parade or something like that. So uh, there was another website that mentions and references over 200 fatalities at concerts since 1969. That's quite a big gap there, 200, 10,785. So somewhere in between there. (laughs) Um, But it's probably uh, closer to that 10,000 number since a lot of... Anywhere between one and a million. (laughs) Could be. We're not sure. Yeah, not sure. Again, a lot, you know, it's kind of hard to research, but it's probably probably up there since a lot of stuff probably isn't reported um, also. 
Uh, but some of these injuries and deaths can be attributed to negligence. So like business owners or event hosts not ensuring that safety standards are being met. So like poor lighting and stairwells, fire hazards, and adequate security are also possible hazards. Um, I asked, you don't talk about the station nightclub fire, do you? Okay. I wanted to make sure because um, it, it talks about negligence. And it says the station nightclub fire in 2003 resulted in 100 deaths and 230 injuries after a pyrotechnic display lit the nightclub on fire. Ooh. It was later determined that the fire would ha- would not have spread as quickly if the building had not used flammable polyurethane soundproof foam insulation. If only they hadn't used gasoline and all the soap dispensers. <laughs> <laughs> the things we could have fixed. So the soundproofing foam inside the nightclub was not fire resistant. And I was looking this up and I, I looked up a video of it. And we could watch a little bit of the video now. I'll put it on the website so you can watch it. We actually talked about this in college when I went to school. I went to school for audio arts. And we talked about soundproofing foam. Mm-hmm. We talked about venues. I forget what class it was. Um, but they showed us this whole video. And they talk about how now soundproofing needs to be fire resistant, fire retardant, whatever. Um, needs to be able to not catch on fire or spread. And then same stuff if you go to like Home Depot and buy foam. If you're trying to fit your own like studio or sound room in your apartment, make sure that it's fire resistant. Because mm-hmm. they do sell some stuff that could still be flammable but well i'll play some of this it's uh it's crazy people are like (laughs) there's a there's a there's a blaze behind you sir see how big that got camera dude's backing up oh they stopped playing so after 30 seconds the fire alarm goes off did they not have sprinklers I thought that was, like, required. Uh, This was in 2003. Mm. All of the smoke already that's coming out of this building. Why would you do pyrotechnics in an enclosed building? Look at all of that smoke, yeah. Here's the fire department. That was the Station Nightclub Fire in Rhode Island on uh, Thursday, February 20th, 2003. So that can happen. Uh, There's also uh, slips and falls. We talked about slips and falls a bit in our episode on heights. These could be caused by unsafe environmental conditions such as slippery floors, poor lighting conditions in hallways or stairwells, or drunk people. Mm. Drunk people slip and fall all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, jumpers. I also talked about these in our heights episode a little bit. Um, I saw a few stories about subjects falling from balconies, like um, multi-level venues, people who are drunk and they're close to the balcony and they fall over um, or intentionally jumping from high heights which could include like attempts at crowd surfing mm-hmm. people who have attempted to do that and just fall on their ass because they expect people to catch them and no one catches them uh, fights so it could be between like patrons the audience and staff or security police security slash police and guests and intoxication likely doesn't help with that too more people drink more violent people get um so you can have like a bouncer trying to kick someone out or security or police trying to escort someone away. And, you know, that can escalate. Sure. Uh, drugs. Uh-huh. What better place to do some hard drugs, you know, than a music venue? Uh, I looked up a little stat 
I wasn't able to find like drug use specific to music venues or mm-hmm. concerts. But in 2019, there were approximately 70,630 deaths related to drug overdose, higher than any other year to date. Mm. Um, and I think that's in, that's worldwide or just in the U.S.? I don't know. Uh, just in the U.S. 70,000. Uh, shootings or stabbings, um, which I'm sure you'll talk about, concert deaths. Uh, while there wasn't, again, while there wasn't a statistic I could find that covered, like, total shootings or stabbings at concerts, um, it's very hard to research that. I looked up the number of mass shootings in the U.S., just in general mass shootings mm-hmm. in the U.S. And just mass shootings, by the you way. You should look up how much there are. Oh, I'm sorry. You said mass shootings. Yeah, Never just mind. mass shootings. Uh, the FBI defines this <laughs> as four or more people, oh. four more victims, but it's a loose definition. Um uh, like serial killer, four, I think four, there's four more people. I'm pretty sure it's got to be four more. But in 2021 alone, there have been 470 mass shootings in the U.S. Individual mass shootings. 470 That's individual insane. mass shootings in the United States since January 1st through the end of August. In 2021 alone in the U.S., 470. It's crazy. I know, it's sad. I was looking this up. 64 of those have been in Illinois. Jesus. 13 occurring outside of Chicago. Hmm. So the rest of those 64 were in Chicago, Are including including the one that occurred here in St. Charles. Oh, that one was included? About a month ago. Yes, wow. that was a mass shooting. There were um, there was one person who died and I think four injuries. Hmm. So that counts as a mass shooting. Um, serial killers, I think, is the four or more deaths, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's usually, I think, four is the number. Um, these are generally targeted attacks like mass violence, but can also be caused by disgruntled patrons who are kicked out of establishments for causing trouble, only ret- to return with a weapon seeking retaliation, which has happened. Um, it's ridiculous, and probably because they're drunk. But yeah, uh, quite the sad statistic. Um, there haven't even been 470 days this year. Can you think about that? There's not 470. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, fires. We talked about uh, fires a little bit. We showed the video. Uh, suffocation. So that can include like crushing from crowds or smoke inhalation. Uh, crushing. A lot of the injuries and deaths that I saw on workingwithcrowds.com were a result of crushing. They could be due to guests rushing towards the stage, all cramming into an entrance or exit, or trying to avoid police crowd control. Crowd density is more important than size. A density of four people per square meter begins to be dangerous, even if the crowd isn't very large. Mm. A crowd crush as such ensues when a large crowd is trying to move in a certain direction to reach an objective or in response to the need to move forwards due to events at the back. We watched in this video. With those at the back pushing forward, not knowing that those at the front are being crushed. This may happen if an exit expected to be open is blocked. The forces involved may be very large. Sometimes guardrails that can withstand 1,000 pounds of force are bent by the crushed crowd. Insane. Uh, Stampedes, which is similar to the above. It involves large groups of people all trying to go in the same direction, unaware of the effects the force has on people towards the front of the group. You know, I had had an experience with a stampede. I thought I told you about this. Mm. Uh, Back when I worked in Florida, I lived in Florida, and I worked at Disney Springs, the shopping center that Disney has, Mm -hmm. there was, I was working at the Lego store, I was running the cash register, all of a sudden, 
we see like a group of people running and then somebody runs into the Lego store and they're like, there's been a shooting. So everyone's like freaking out and running. And like, I'm next to this girl named Aaliyah and she's like, crouch down, get behind the register. So I'm like, okay, crouch down, get behind the register. And I look over and one of the other associates is like, come back this way. So we go back behind the store and everyone's like freaking out. Um, somebody pushed a pregnant lady over. Mm. Um, one of our, one of my coworkers got his toe broken because somebody stepped on it. People are shoving people. Mm-hmm. Apparently, what happened was there was a bar fight in this restaurant, which is like on the other side of Disney Springs, and Disney Springs is pretty big. Yeah, and somebody broke a glass, and somebody freaked out, thought it was a shot, and caused this huge mass panic, and everyone was just running. Yeah. One of the dudes got so far away. He was like, I'm so far away. There's no point in me coming back. Because they were like, it's Disney. So they were like, back up and running now that things are normal. Yeah. So my manager came up to me and was like, can you work? I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Fine. Whatever. Damn. Yeah, people uh, people instantly go to panic mode. You know, they, they teach you in like fire drills. Exit in an orderly single file fashion. That'll never happen. No one fucking does that shit. Um, but it's good to remember, you know, try to, try to remain calm. I saw a video recently that was like a lady <laughs> filming cause, um, somebody's something exploded. It was a small explosion. It wasn't huge, but something was on fire and this lady was recording. And then another lady <laughs> just kept screaming at the top of her lungs, fire, fire, there's a fire. So the lady <laughs> recording was just like, shut up. We know there's a fire. <laughs> Hey, uh, I wonder if there's a fire over there. <laughs> Saying the name of the thing that's happening. That was ridiculous. <laughs> um, structural fa- failures or collapses. Failures. Failures. So some of the numbers that I got from workingwithcrowds.com included structural failures. Again, these weren't uh, all at concerts, but any venue or large gathering of people. So due to the aging of structures and buildings... Or improper or delayed maintenance could could cause these sure. to fail or collapse. And uh, I pulled a, a fun fact here. Not really fun because people died. <laughs> but the roof of Transvaal Park in Russia, an indoor water park, collapsed on February fourteenth, two thousand four, killing twenty eight. Oh Jesus! Uh, I think the I was reading about it. The why would that be a fun fact? It's not a fun fact. People died. That's why I said. Um, but the architect who made the building, mm-hmm. uh, when he was interviewed, he was like, it's got to be terrorists. Terrorists bombed it, and that's what caused the, the roof to collapse. But it was just due to old age and improper maintenance and care to that's the roof. That's where my yeah. first brain goes. Yep. My first Your brain. first brain? My first, I have two. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, police intervention. So I touched on this briefly, but this could include things like crowd control measures or police intervention to combat rioting. Um, deaths have been associated with police using tear gas to attempt to disperse a crowd only for the crowd to stampede further injuring or killing others in the process. Mm -hmm. So sometimes crowd control techniques don't really work, especially in packed crowded areas that only further makes things bad. Mm. Sure. So, but that's all I got. Uh, I just wanted to cover the different types of injuries and deaths that have happened at crowds or gatherings. Um, Paige is going to talk about specific instances of deaths at concerts. 
You still play video games tonight? Sure. Sure. Yeah, do you not want to? I want to. I'm just yeah. making sure you want to. Sure. I always want to. <laughs> so I have a few stories to go over. Um, and then one big one that I'm going to cover that I think majority of people have heard about. But mm. details are always interesting. Uh, all Day Outdoor Music Festival. Um, Altamont Free Concert. Uh, it was held at a raceway near San Francisco in December of 1969. Uh, according to Rolling Stone, organizer Mick Jagger hired members of the Hells Angels motorcycle gang to work security. According to Saul um, Austerlitz's book, Just a Shot Away, the Hells Angels antagonized the crowd all day, tearing through the crowd on their motorcycles and using pool cues, cues to hit anybody who got too close to them. The crowd had just about had enough. Among them, 18-year-old attendee Meredith Hunter, who retrieved a handgun from his car, Meredith, okay, for self-protection from the security guards before heading back into the show to see the Rolling Stones play. The bikers roughly enforced a wide berth around the stage as the band played, but Hunter climbed up onto a speaker. Why? A Hell's Angel attempted to pull him off by his hair and then yanked him by the arm. Hunter resisted and he got punched in the mouth. Before long, he was surrounded by five Hell's Angels who pulled him out of public view and savagely beat him, kicked him in the head, and reportedly stabbed him until he was nearly dead. Well-meaning strangers managed to grab Hunter and escort him to safety, but medical personnel pronounced him dead in the Altamont parking lot. Wait, so he had a gun on him, though? Why'd you grab a gun? Why he grabbed a gun if he wasn't going <clears> to... <throat> use it. I mean, right. he use it, just be like, hey, I have a gun. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if he was getting attacked and battered... I mean, I'm just saying before the attack, yeah. just be like, I have a gun! Right. And they'd be like, oh, he has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I better back off. Uh, Sugarland is... Have you heard of Sugarland? Mm-hmm. Sugarland is a duo made up of singer Jennifer Nettles and multi-instrumentalist Christian Bush. And they forged a career as one of the most successful country acts of the 2000s. It's true. They were very popular in the 2000s. They were. As detailed by CMT, fans were certainly looking to hear um, some of their more popular songs and more when they packed into the Indiana State Fair in August of 2011 to see the duo play live in an open-air performance space. Nettles and Bush hadn't even played a note when things took a turn for the tragic. Mm. A storm whipped through the air, including a monstrous gust of wind, so powerful that it tore the roof off of the outdoor venue and knocked down a canopy and upended scaffolding and other equipment. All that material fell into the crowd with great speed and force, where it crushed and immediately killed four fans. Three others, a crew member and two attendees, were also struck by debris and died within the week. Hmm. Interesting. Damn you, Mother Nature. <laughs> uh, in 1979, The Who embarked on its first tour following mm. the death of drummer Keith Moon yeah. with Kenny Jones behind the kit. The Who was booked to play Cincinnati's large riverfront co- uh, coliseum on December 3rd, 1979. Um, the seating arrangement for the concert followed the standard four rock shows of the era, festival style. General admission with no reserved seats that left more than 14,000 Who fans to battle for a position as close to the stage as possible. Ticket holders started to line up for the evening show at about 1.30 p.m. And by 6.30 p.m., around 8,000 agitated fans had gathered and pushed up against the Coliseum's locked doors. They only got more antsy when they could hear the Who go through its soundtrack. Check. Soundtrack. (laughs) What's a soundtrack? And also, as the temperature dropped to 36 degrees and the wind picked up. 
When finally allowed entry, the crowd became a stampede, and Who fans pushed, knocked down, and trampled each other to get through the two open doors. Fourteen other doors remained locked. The concert went on as scheduled, but just before the Who was set to retake the stage for an encore, their manager told them to play that last bit quickly, informing the band that the pre-show stampede had turned fatal. Eleven people were essentially crushed to death. Well, Weeks later, the Cincinnati Council, City Council, passed a law that banned festival seating at concerts. Hmm. This one happened, um, I don't know if it happened recently, I don't remember the, yeah, 2017? Yeah. Um, in 2017 of May in the United Kingdom performing for thousands of fans at Manchester Arena Ariana Grande took the stage oh did she? she did she took the stage immediately after the end of her show the atmosphere turned from adulation and appreciation to chaos Witnesses reported hearing an explosion and seeing a flash of light. Debris and fire pursued the crowd in the aftermath of what what had been the detonation of a bomb. Panicked fans ran for the exits, while others were knocked down by injuries sustained in the blast itself. Per the BBC, police identified the assailant as Salman Abdi, a suicide bomber who died in his own attack. As families and groups separated by panic, fire, and shrapnel attempted to find each other and get to safety, more than 50 people were rushed to hospitals with life-threatening injuries. Tragically, 22 people died that night. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you sure his name wasn't Salmon? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Why would his name be Salmon? You said Salmon. I don't know. Salmon. It was an A, it wasn't an O. <laughs> Salmon. <laughs> Salmon. I don't know. I don't know him. Uh, the evening of November 13, 2005, ranks among the most shockingly sad and horrifying nights in history. In a coordinated attack by ISIS, mm. victims in six locales around the city were besieged by bombers and gunmen. Shortly after 9 p.m., a suicide bomber activated his weaponry outside the packed um, Sade de France. Sade? Said it. I don't know French. You don't know French. I don't, do you? No. Exactly. Followed by heavily armed attackers opening fire on multiple crowded bars and restaurants. The deadliest terrorist raid of the night, however, was leashed, uh, unleashed on the B-A-T-A clan. Bata clan? <laughs> sure. Why you gotta just... A 1,500-seat concert venue sold out for that evening's show by American hard rock band Eagles of Death Metal. Have you listened to them? I used to listen to them. I haven't, no, not since their uh, second album. Three attackers burst into the hall and fired assault rifles, uh, rifles into the crowd. Around 100 people were taken to Paris hospitals to treat potentially critical injuries, while 89 people died immediately as a result of the gunfire. Mm. Uh, by the end of 2004, um, I don't know how to pronounce this band's name. They're Spanish. Uh, C-A-L-L-E-J-E-R-O-S. Calle... Heros? Maybe. J, wait, J-E-R-O-S? Calle, that means street. Heros. Couldn't tell you. No clue. Uh, it was one of the biggest rock bands in the Spanish-speaking Americas. The Argentinian group had just released a, a album 
and was so success, uh, successful throughout Latin America that it could fill big Buenos Aires venues. Um, this venue has a very long name. Uh, Estadio de... I'm not even going to try. Uh, it was an exclusive and tantalizing event. Then when the band took the stage... That's Callejeros. It's, I guess it's one word. Oh. Uh, it just means street. Street. It's a long word for street. Mm-hmm. Uh, they booked a show around New Year's Eve. There were Apparently fireworks were a big part of the New Year's Eve festival for the people. Uh, and according to CBS News, several fans at the concert show, uh, with the show kept sh- uh, setting them off despite the danger of doing so in an indoor venue. And despite the band reportedly repeatedly asking them not to do that. But the pyro play continued and at one point a fan threw a flare into the air which hit the ceiling sending igniting chunks to fall to the ground below Mm. the interior of the venue was quickly set ablaze and the 4,000 or so fans in attendance nearly tripling the club's 1500 person capacity ran for the doors only to find that many had been blocked to prevent non-paying fans from sneaking in wait till osha hears about that (laughs) not everyone could get out so a lot of people perished in the horrific fire uh, 194 people died. Well, The band was held legally liable. Doesn't hmm. seem fair. They didn't block the doors at the venue. Right. They didn't fire a flare into the roof. The, um, you sent me this one. What is the title? Which one? Uh, Russ. Russ Kilda? Russ Kilda? Yeah, Russ Kilda, Denmark. Uh, the Roskilde Festival, mm-hmm. held just west of Copenhagen, Denmark, was launched in 1971, part of the first generation of big multi-act outdoor rock events in the wake of Woodstock. It's been an annual occurrence through the modern day, ranking with the likes of Coachella and Bumbershoot, apparently, which I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, Roskilde is... Uh, Can I go to Bumbershoot? <laughs> it's pretty big. It's a big festival. Tracks about 80,000 people each year. Yep. The 2000 Roskilde Festival is undoubtedly the worst staging in the institution's history. The massively popular Pearl Jam played late at night on the festival's first evening. According to the BBC, the grounds were muddy following a day of rain, and hundreds of fans had trouble staying upright. That same crowd also continuously pushed and shoved to get closer to the stage, putting tremendous pressure on the people nearest to the band. The force, combined with the mud, led many to slump and fall, and as the crowd lunged forward, they were crushed and trampled. Mm. Pearl Jam, who had asked fans to ease up on the pushing, stopped playing, and witnesses reported hearing anguished screams of victims and other concertgoers. As a result of the rush, 26 people were hospitalized, three were seriously injured, and eight died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked about... Uh one of the episodes from forever ago, I touched on that a little bit, and we talked about Love Boat Captain, that song that they made. Mm-hmm. Lost nine friends will never know. Uh, nine Apparently nine perished. Uh, lost nine friends will never know two years ago today uh, is one of the lines in the song. It's about that festival. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they took a tour from playing for a while. Uh, can you guess why I sent you that? Because you like Pearl Jam? Because I like Pearl Jam. We've talked about this before, even before the podcast. Um, Pickle Pop. Pickle Pop? I didn't sneeze. Pickle Pop. <laughs> Pickle Pop. Started out as a small showcase for bands in and around the community of Leopoldsburg, Belgium in 1985. But by the 21st century, it had evolved into a massive outdoor three-day rock and pop festival attended by tens of thousands each year. One of the biggest events of its kind in Europe. 
According to the BBC, around 60,000 fans headed to the 2011 iteration of Pickle Pop. I can't say that normal. Pickle Pop. Pickle Pop. Head- headlined by major acts like the Foo Fighters and Eminem. Those musicians would never actually take the stage on account of how the event was canceled after a sudden, unexpected, and completely devastating storm on the opening night of the festival destroyed the grounds and ended multiple lives. Extremely high winds and a torrential downpour struck with such velocity that the stage collapsed, screens fell down, tents Mm. tore up, and trees in the area were ripped out of the ground. All that unsecured material, which organizers, uh, organizers say was checked for safety prior to the festival... In the event of a freak storm such as the one that hit, was left to catch in the wind and fly around. More than 140 people were injured in the chaos and five people died. Jeez. Mm. In suburban Port Chester, New York, Gulliver's, which is a restaurant, bar, and nightclub, a local band called Creation took the stage at about midnight on June 30th, 1974, and played for about an hour before singer George Chase announced that the show was over because of a fire in the bowling alley next door. The crowd filed out relatively calmly, heading through a small staircase that led to a dining room and then outside doors. As they did, huge plumes of toxic smoke burst into the stairwell and the dance floor, uh, shrouding the room in darkness and leading to panic as hundreds gasped for air. Much of the crowd couldn't even get out, as the stairwell was blocked by the bodies of people instantly knocked down and out by the smoke. Police later arrested a man for purposely setting the fire to cover his tracks after he robbed the bowling alley's cigarette machines. He was charged with reckless manslaughter, and yet the loss of life was significant. 24 people, including the band's keyboard player, oh damn, died of smoke inhalation, although their bodies were so heavily burned that they had to be identified by dental records. Wow. Last thing I'm going to talk about, saddest thing, I would say. I mean, death is never... Out of the things you've talked about so far. I would say. Well, I mean, yeah, can you really compare... One life to another, but... (laughs) The Route 91 Harvest Music Festival in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada. (laughs) What? I was expecting you to say Nevada. No. 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 (laughs) Don't talk to me like that. (laughs) This incident is considered the deadliest mass shooting committed by an individual in United States history. I didn't know that. If you don't know, the Las Vegas Strip is a stretch of Las Vegas Boulevard immediately south of the city of Las Vegas in Clark County, Nevada. (laughs) The Strip is known for its concentration of casinos and resort hotels, including the uh, 43-story Mandalay Bay. The perpetrator, Stephen Paddock, was a 64-year-old former auditor and real estate businessman who had been living 80 miles northeast of Las Vegas in a retirement community in Mesquite, Nevada. He was twice divorced, had a long-term girlfriend, and had no known children. He was the son of Benjamin Paddock, a bank robber, who was on the FBI's most wanted list between 1969 and 1977. I did not know that about him. Hmm. Paddock was a high-stakes gambler who placed bets at a high enough level to earn valuable comps, free benefits such as rooms and meals. He was a familiar figure to casino host in Las Vegas, but was not well known among other high-stakes gamblers because he mostly played single-player video poker. He reportedly kept to himself and was a heavy drinker. According to his girlfriend, Paddock repeatedly cased out Las Vegas Village from different windows in their room when they stayed at the Mandalay Bay a month before the shooting. Paddock also may have considered attacking previous events. 
He had researched large-scale venues in cities such as Boston since at least May of 2017 and had reserved a room overlooking the August 2017 Lollapalooza Festival in Chicago, but did not use it. From September 17th, Paddock stayed at the Ogden in downtown Las Vegas, which overlooked the open-air Life is Beautiful Festival that ran from September 22nd to the 24th. Paddock's internet search terms for mid-September included SWAT weapons, Ballistic Chart 308, SWAT Las Vegas, and do police use explosives? <laughs> Great question. Paddock arrived at Mandalay Bay on September 25th, 2017, and booked into room 32135, a complimentary room on the 32nd floor. Four days later, he also checked into the directly connected room 32134. Both suites overlook the site of the concert at Las Vegas Village. During his stay at Mandalay Bay, Paddock spent much of his time gambling, usually at night. He interacted with employees more than 10 times, including twice on the day of the shooting. A MGM Sports, I'm sorry, an MGM Resorts international spokesperson said they were all normal in nature. Hmm. Cell phone records show that he had also made multiple visits to his home in Mesquite. With frequent help from the Hotel Bellman, he brought five suitcases to his room on September 25th, seven on the 26th, two on the 28th, six on the 30th, and two on October 1st. Dude's moving a lot of clothes. His arsenal of weapons, associated equipment, and ammunition included 14 AR-15 rifles, some of which were equipped with bump stocks, Mm -hmm. and 12 of which had 100-round magazines. Why? Eight AR-10-type rifles, a bolt-action rifle, and a revolver. Why? On September 3rd, I'm sorry, 30th, he placed do not disturb signs on the doors of both rooms. The mass shooting occurred between 10.05 p.m. and 10.15 p.m. on October 1st, 2017, which was the third and final night of the festival. When the shooting began, country music singer Jason Aldean was giving the closing performance. Shortly before 10 p.m., hotel security guard Jesus Campos was sent to the 32nd floor to investigate an open door alert. He attempted to open a door that provided immediate access to the floor, but found that it would not open. After Campos entered the floor, he discovered an L-shaped bracket screwed into the door and door frame, which was responsible for barring the door from opening. After reporting the discovery to his dispatch center, he heard what he thought was the sound of rapid drilling coming from the 32135 room and went to investigate the matter. At approximately 10.05 p.m., he was hit in the right thigh by one of about 35 bullets that Paddock fired through the door of his suite. After Campos was hit, he took cover in the alcove between rooms 32122 and 32124 and immediately informed the hotel by radio and cell phone that he had been shot. Though he believed he had been shot with a BB or pellet gun. Mm. At the same time, maintenance worker Stephen Shook was on the same floor to fix the door that Campos had reported as being barricaded. The already wounded Campos encountered Shook and told him to take cover. Shook contacted hotel dispatchers over the radio, informed them of the ongoing shooting, and told them to call the police. Neither the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department nor MGM Resorts International, the Mandalay Bay's owner, have confirmed when information about the initial shooting was relayed to the police. After Paddock used a hammer to break two of the windows in both of his suites, he began shooting through them at 10.05 p.m. He ultimately fired 
over 1,000 rifle rounds. Wow. Approximately 450, I'm sorry, 490 yards, which is 450, what, meters? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Conversion. Into the festival audience. He initially started out with a few single single gun shots before firing in bursts that usually range from 80 rounds to 100 rounds. Many people in the crowd initially mistook the gunfire for fireworks. During the shooting, a security fence hindered uh, concertgoers from fleeing the 15-acre concrete lot. The gunfire continued with momentary pauses over the span of 10 minutes and ended by 10.15 p.m. In addition to shooting at the concertgoers, Paddock fired eight bullets at a large jet fuel tank at McCarran International Airport, 2,000 feet away. Hmm. Two of those bullets struck the exterior of the tank with one bullet penetrating the tank. The fuel did not explode because jet fuel, uh, fuel is mostly kerosene, kerosene, mm. which is unlikely to ignite when struck by a bullet. During the shooting, police officers were initially confused whether the shots were coming from the Mandalay Bay, the nearby Luxor Hotel, or the festival grounds. There were also multiple false reports of additional shooters at other hotels on the Strip. Officers eventually spotted multiple flashes of gunfire from the middle of the northern side of Mandalay Bay and responded to the hotel. At 10.12 p.m., two officers on the 31st floor reported the sounds of gunfire fire on the floor above them. When officers arrived on the 32nd floor at 10.17 p.m. and encountered Campos a minute later, he directed them to Paddock's room and helped others evacuate. Campos was then directed to seek medical attention for himself. With teen between 10.26 p.m. and 10.30 p.m., eight additional officers arrived at the 32nd floor. Some of those officers manually breached through the door Paddock had screwed shut with the bracket. The gunfire had ceased, and the police moved systematically down the hallway, searching and clearing each room, using a master key that was provided by Campos. At 10.55 p.m., the officers finished evacuating guests. At 11.20 p.m., police breached room 32-135 with explosives. Paddock was found dead on the floor from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Police then breached room 32-134 while entering the hotel suite. An officer accidentally fired a three-round burst from his weapon, but the bullets did not hit anyone. At 11.27 p.m., officers announced over police radio that a suspect was down. Um, Following the shooting, McCarran International Airport, adjacent to the shooting site, was shut down for several hours. Approximately 300 people entered the airport grounds as they fled from the shooting. This prompted officials to shut down all four runways. More than 25 flights were rerouted to ensure that no air traffic could be hit by gunfire, while other flights were canceled before airfield operations resumed at 12.40 a.m. on October 2nd. Much of Las Vegas Boulevard was closed, while police SWAT teams combed the venue and neighboring businesses. At approximately 2.45 p.m. on October 2nd, a state of emergency was declared in Clark County. Early on October 2nd, Sheriff Lombardo identified the suspect as Stephen Paddock. 61 people died. Hmm. The immediate fatalities comprised of 58 victims, 36 women, and 22 men, all of whom died from gunshot wounds. The oldest was 67, and the youngest was 20. Hmm. 34 were from California, 6 from Nevada, four from Canada, two from Alaska and Utah, and one each from Arizona, Colorado, Minnesota, Massachusetts, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Washington State, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. 
31 of the victims were pronounced dead at the scene, while 27 succumbed to their wounds at the hospital, with the last of those dying on October 3rd, two days later. Paddock's death, or Paddock's suicide, was the only death at the Mandalay Bay Hotel. A 57-year-old woman from California who had been paralyzed in the shooting died more than two years later on November 15, 2019. On uh, August 24, 2020, the San Bernardino County Medical Examiner officially attributed her death to the shooting. The police, the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, declined at the time to ex uh, include her in the official death toll. The police also initially declined to include a 49-year-old Nevada woman who died from complications of a leg wound on May 26, 2020. The department revised its decision, however, on October 1st, 2020, included both women in their count. Like I said, the incident was considered the deadliest mass shooting committed by an individual in the United States, exceeding the death toll of the 2016 Orlando nightclub shooting in which 49 people lost their lives, mm -hmm. which I lived in Florida when that happened. Mm. A lot of my friends had friends that were there. Oh, well. A gay scene. Disney has a lot of gay employees. Yeah. Jeez. Approximately 867 people were injured, 411 with gunshot wounds or shrapnel injuries. In the aftermath, many victims were transported to area hospitals, which included University Medical Center of Southern Nevada, Sunrise Hospital and Medical Center, and at least one of the six hospitals of Valley Health System. Sunrise Hospital treated the largest portion of the wounded, 199 patients, 150 of whom arrived with a time span of about 40 minutes. University Medical Center treated 104 patients. Victims of the shooting required blood transfusions totaling 499 components in the first 24 hours of treatment. But this blood was rapidly replaced by available blood from local and national blood banks. Investigators found hidden surveillance cameras that were placed inside and outside the hotel room, presumably so Paddock could monitor the arrival of others. Mm. The cameras were not in record mode. The police said a handwritten note found in the room indicated Paddock had been calculating the distance, wind, and trajectory from his 32nd floor hotel suite to the concert goers he was targeting on the festival lot. At a press conference on October 4th, Clark, Shelley, uh, Shelley, <laughs> Clark County Sheriff Joe Lombardo stated there was evidence, which he declined to discuss, that Paddock intended to escape the scene and that he may have had assistance from an accomplice. Investigators searched Paddock's room and found a bulletproof vest and breathing apparatus, neither of which were used by Paddock. There have been several changes in the official account and timeline of Paddock's shooting of hotel security guard Campos. Police officials describe three adjustments as minute changes that are common in complex investigations. In their first statement about the incident, police officials inaccurately reported that Campos arrived on the scene after Paddock began firing into the crowd. In a second statement, police officials reported again inaccurately that Campos was shot six minutes before Paddock began firing into the crowd. The report had been based on a 9.59 p.m. notation in a hotel security log, which in a third statement was determined to have been the time when Campos encountered the barricaded door. Sheriff Lombardo dismissed allegations that the changing timeline was the result of some kind of conspiracy between the police department, the FBI, and MGM resorts. Nobody is attempting to hide anything in reference to this investigation, he was quoted to say. The dynamics and the size of the investigation requires us to go through voluminous, voluminous. Voluminous. Vol vol and you tried to correct me. <laughs> Amounts of information in order to draw an accurate picture. 
Police speculate that Paddock acted alone and have not determined his motive. No links have been identified to any hate groups, terrorist groups, or ideologies, and he did not record a reason for his actions. A report published by the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit in January of 2019 said that there was no single or clear motivating factor for the shooting. Everything's a conspiracy, though. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I remember... I remember when this happened, and uh, they were talking like, yeah, this guy didn't really... We don't really know why he did it. There's really no reason. He seemed like a normal guy. He had a wife. You know, his wife was like, yeah, he seemed totally fine. Not entirely sure what, you know... What flipped in his head that caused him to do all this. It was just completely out of the blue. Um... I don't think there was any, like, history of mental illness or, like, anything that would indicate that he was struggling with something. I don't know. I thought it was pretty crazy. But I remember when it happened. I looked in my um, Google Photos to see, like, what photos I was taking around that time because that helps me remember what I was doing. Um, I was in my Citizens Police Academy with Romeoville uh, on October... September, October of 2017. I remember that. But I don't remember when, like, that exactly happened, like, when it hit the news. But I do remember that detail where it was like, yeah, we don't know why this guy did it. He seemed like a normal dude. It was wild. I remember hearing about it and being blown away that people are capable of these things. Yep. And... After these shootings, Sandy Hook, Columbine, all the school shootings, all the club shootings, you just become so numb to it. And I feel like that takes a part of your humanity. Every time something happens, it just, it has, the reaction has become not outrage, but just, Mm -hmm. oh, another day in America. Another day has gone by where we've lost so many lives. Yep. Well, it happened again. Oh, darn it. Mm-hmm. When Sandy Hook happened, I was devastated. I was sickened. I don't remember what I was doing when that happened. It was so sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I researched and heard a lot about it, too. It's gotten worse and worse over the years, too. It's not getting any better. I'm just... 460-some, you know, mass shootings. I'm blown away by the cruelty. That we are able to exhibit to each other. Yep. Sad. People have... And we can't even say that... I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say people have no self-control, but then I was going to correct myself. It's like, there are all different kinds of offenders in in these cases. It's not just people who like go off the rails and don't have self-control. It's people with mental illness. It's people who have been brought up you know, poorly by their parents. Um, it could be a number of reasons. So everyone's different. Um, everyone's got their different motives, so you can't blame one group, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's a tough thing to combat, but it's definitely something that's gotten a lot worse over the years. And we can't even say that something has come of it. We can't say that there's been a a change of gun control. And it's not like, I mean, like my dad has guns. Mm -hmm. I've, I've shot a gun before. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm anti-gun. You know, when I was a kid, my, I was anti-gun. When I was mm-hmm. younger, because, I don't know, I had a different opinion of it. Right. You know, but 
background checks, longer holds. Yeah. I, I read an article about um, what it takes to get a gun in Japan. It's a very thorough, uh, extensive process. What's to stop us from doing that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, you've got all these people who are like, you know, constitution purists who believe that, you know, nothing can be changed from the constitution. Um, but this nation changes every single second. So the thing is, the constitution is so outdated and right, old. That's what I'm saying. It's and like, in my opinion, if the founding fathers were still alive, they'd be like, why the fuck are you still using this? Right. This does not pertain to you now. Yeah. It's just some holy scripture that, you know, everyone feels like they the need to Bible. abide. There's a lot of good things in it. Don't get me wrong. Um, a lot of things that make this country what they are for good, good in good ways. Um, and I'm in all, full support of the Second Amendment, but I, I do believe that there could be changes, not necessarily to the amendment in the Constitution, but changes to how we um, look at acquiring weapons in the United mm-hmm. States. Uh, I don't I don't believe the answer is less guns. I, I don't necessarily believe the answer is more guns. I believe the answer is more responsible people with guns. Say regulations. Right. Expectations mm-hmm. on being able to have something that could end a life. Yeah. And and you see that there are a lot of... I see now this is turning into <laughs> something completely different. We need different. to end this soon. Yeah. But, like, I've seen... Uh, there have been a lot of those shootings. A lot of... could be at concerts. But I remember, specifically, there was one at a church. Uh, someone came in, started shooting, and it was, like, a church in Texas. So, literally, everyone and their mom had, had, a, we- had a weapon. So, they gunned this guy down. You know, and these things can happen way before the police can get there. So mm-hmm. that's why I don't necessarily believe the answer is less guns. Yeah. Um, I don't believe we should be like Australia and just get rid of them all because oh, that like can the cause United Kingdom or the UK, and that can cause problems of their own. Um, but yeah, there needs to be some kind of. Change. I don't trust our own government enough to take away guns from the people. Yeah, right. I was talking to Allison about this recently. I was like, I just don't feel that it's. Me personally feel that I trust the government enough to not be armed. Yep, they're, they're, I don't even own a gun. Yeah, but I'm just saying. But then there would be this like underground firearms market, and you know, it would just it would turn into mayhem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this got really off topic it did. and it kind veered. of kind of political. But <laughs> we were we were going strong for a second, and then it became a little political. Um, truly a tragedy. Truly a very. But dark time. I, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's astounding. It blows your mind. It sickens me. Um, and yeah, we have the news on at work, and it's like every day I see come in. It's like, oh, a five year old and a two year old were shot in a drive by shooting in Chicago. It's like, what the fuck? Did happen every day? Uh, you just yeah. That up? I mean, I made that one up, but okay. there is something similar to that that occurred recently, gotcha. where a couple kids were were hit. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. We're living through the end times. I feel like every episode we talk about that has like real life, you know, you can relate to things that are happening now. It's like, yeah, you know what? I believe you. <laughs> we are living through the end times. Yeah. This is what's happening. What did you think of the beer? I thought it was good. Wasn't anything impressive. It was uh, yeah, an APA. This one's an APA. Um, it, it reminded me of a hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a lot of the characters characteristics Mm -hmm. and qualities of it but um i don't know something weird about it something that i I can't can't quite vibe with i think we've just had so many other better beers Mm. 
Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, another one. It's okay. We've had better ones. <laughs> another one. It's getting to that DJ point. DJ Khaled. <laughs> but, I mean, they're still pleasant. I still enjoy drinking them. They're still good beers. It's just compared to other things we've had before, it's like, eh, okay, nothing too special about that. Yeah. You know? I thought it was a footnote in the overall story of beer and fear. Oh, beer and fear. <laughs> I just feel... Nothing hooked me. Like I said, nothing really jumped out at me. Ah. Uh. <laughs> it was just very plain. You know, it was just a very simple one hop beer. And I didn't even get the citrus that most APAs come with. Like you were tasting that. All I could taste is the grassy, earthy tones of the hop. Mm-hmm. It was just very, or the malt. I don't know. Um, we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> we have no idea. 53 episodes and we still have no clue about beer. But I mean, we had uh, we had that one hop varietal by uh, Santa Ron. It was a hazy IPA. That was freaking delicious. This one single, no. this one single hop, not no so much. No offense to Pollyanna. You produce yeah. good beers, but yeah. this, like was just, this was just kind of a letdown. You know, I saw Pollyanna yeah. and I was like, Pollyanna does good stuff. Well, I'm sure... Not everyone's going to have... Yeah, I'm sure there might be some beers by Santa Rot that aren't 100%. Don't even lie. Don't even lie. Don't lie to yourself. It was just kind of like lacking. Yep. Like I drank it and I was like, where's the wow factor in this? The wow factor. Where's the, whoa, this makes this different from other beers. It wasn't there. Plus, I'm pretty sure I tasted dish soap. So I don't know if you scrubbed that glass good enough. All right. Love you. <laughs> right. and it's just yeah, meh. yeah. So I gave it such a low score. I'm just not. It's not to say that it was poorly brewed, poorly made, or like it was a bad beer. It's just this does not impress me. And like Shania Twain says, that don't impress me much. You hear that? Remember that song? No, I don't. Oh come on. Anyways, we will see. Uh... What our future beers hold in store for us. We might change some of these numbers around, I'm sure. You might like this more than you think compared to some others. I don't know. I doubt it. No. See what I picked last episode? Okay, that's also a good point. (laughs) That's a good point. I I never know with you. Yeah, you never know. I shouldn't be like uh, ripping on other beers, but. uh, That's all I do. Because it's like it's not like I could do any better. It's like shit. What am I a critic? Technically, <laughs> no. I'm just a mediocre podcast host, a podcast that no one listens to. Why are you gonna be so fucking negative, <laughs> Nancy? Negative. Your panties in a twist. Beerandfearcast.com is our website. Click on the episodes link at the top or in the sidebar, and you can listen to all of our episodes right on the website. Just click the play button. Uh, if you click on the episode, we have the pictures and videos that go along with each with each of them. We will have the that uh, fire nightclub fire video for you on the website as well. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit mm-hmm. and TikTok, and uh, you can reach out to us beerandfearcast at gmail dot com or by clicking the about page on our website. That's got a, like a little contact form you can fill out to mm-hmm. reach out. Uh, we are still take, taking submissions for Frights and Flights. I don't know if um, we mention it anywhere else. I don't know if we mention it in like the description of the videos. I think the only way we've been mentioning it is like in the episodes. So I feel like... We should put a little submission form on the website. 
yeah, maybe like explain it more. But Frights and Flights is a thing we've been trying to do for over a year now. Uh, where we have a flight of beer and we take your suggestions for... Uh, we take your beer suggestions. So send us a beer suggestion, but also send us a spooky or scary story with it. So we read your spooky or scary story, shout you out in the episode, and then try your beer mm-hmm. in a flight of four beers. Super cool experience. It would be uh, great to do like a fan episode like that. But we just need some stories, so just send them our way. Um, that's all I can think about right try now. Try to do research on the beer you're suggesting as well. Not to like look up the background on it, but I'm just going to put this in. Make sure it's not retired. Make sure we can actually get the beer. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, if you have like a favorite beer or something you want us to try, like check it out to make sure we can get it. Yeah, that's a good point. Forgot yeah. about that. It would kind of suck for you to take the time to submit your story and we yeah. can't get the beer you wanted. Yeah. Um, but that's about it. That's all I can think of. Live episode, October 29th. Fun stuff. We got we got more in the works. Stay posted. Stay stay. Up to date. What is it? Stay frosty. Stay frosty. <laughs> <laughs>